welcome back and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing us here today. We thank you that even on these very hot days, uh, you bless us with things like shade, and air conditioning, and we uh, praise you for all of your good and perfect gifts. And we thank you for the gift of this time to be together, the gift of your word, and that we have access to your full revealed will, your full counsel. And we have access to it translated into our own language, and we have opportunity to study it. And bless us now as we study it together today. Bless our marriages. Bless all the marriages of this congregation and, um, and the marriages of those uh, who are dear to us, Lord. And to that end, we pray all these things uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and unto his glory. Amen. So our topic today is spiritual wellness in marriage. And the verse I put at the top of the uh, handout is one that Pastor Mark frequently quotes relative to marriage. And I know you've heard him talk about that, you know, and how, how marriage, in a way, is, is kind of a... A relationship in which uh, husband and wife say to one another, uh, as it were, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So in other words, you know, Lord willing, you're talking about two people who have been seeking in their lives to magnify the Lord, to exalt his name. And now they're going to enter into this marital union in which they're going to carry on and they're going to continue to uh, magnify the Lord and exalt his name. But they're going to do it as a team. They're going to do it together. So, um, what I wanted to start out by saying, and that's these brief uh, introductory paragraphs at the top of your handout deal with, um, uh, with this. It's, it's, um, it's kind of a, what I've called a tiered relationship, uh, and, and a supportive one, between an individual's spirituality and then the spirituality of his or her family, and then uh, the worship of the church. So you've got the spiritual exercises uh, that a person does individually, you know, what we call our devotions, or, you know, uh, previous generations they would refer to sometimes as secret worship. That's you and the Lord, when you're with him in, in his word and in prayer. And then branching out from that, you've got family worship, uh, where husbands and wives uh, will spend time together in prayer and in the word. Uh, and then as children come along, they do that with their children as well. And then all of that, kind of during the week, day by day, kind of builds up to and culminates in what we're going to do in the next hour when we come together with other families in a family of God in a local congregation and worship Him. And uh, essentially and ideally, what happens in that room every Lord's Day morning starting at 1040 is kind of um, the outflow of, of what we've been doing uh, throughout the week in our homes and in our prayer closet. Uh, and in the same way, there's, a, there's an impact of an individual spirituality uh, upon the, uh, that relationship of marriage. So the spiritual health of a husband, the spiritual health of the wife, is going to have an inevitable and, and very uh, uh, profound impact on the spiritual health of that marriage. And it can work both ways. You know, if there's strong, vibrant spiritual health in the, in the man and the woman, then their marriage is probably going to be pretty healthy, spiritually speaking. But the opposite is also true. 
Um, so uh, we'll start by talking about individual spiritual wellness, and then we'll kind of connect that to and, and, and let that flow into a discussion of marital spiritual wellness. And then I'm going to offer a couple of uh, uh, practical guidelines and some resources for you if, you, if you're interested in any of those. Um, I was really blessed. I have a niece who's just begun a career as a registered nurse, and she reached out to me um, asking about you know, materials for her personal devotions. And I was really thrilled that she would even ask. And uh, so I made some, um, some suggestions, and she appreciated those, I think. Uh, as far as devotionals that couples can use, there's scads of them. And a lot of them are pretty good. So it's not just, I, I'm going to recommend two, and I'll, we'll get to that in a second, but that's not, um, not that's just, just a very uh, beginning to, to what's available out there. And, and like I say, a lot of it is, is really good. So, uh, individual spiritual wellness. When we talk about fundamentals of spiritual wellness, uh, we're talking about the means of grace. Uh, not that there, we talk about the means of grace a lot here. We talk about the means of grace a lot in the Reformed faith and in the in Reformed circles. Uh, they're not magic. Um, they're not some kind of uh, mantra or a mechanical routine you can go through that, poof, is, that's going to make your spiritual life good. It's not going to make you spiritually healthy. The reason we, we focus on the means of grace is these are the things that God himself has ordained for our spiritual wellness. And when we engage in them, he blesses those to the health of our souls. So, that's you know if you hear that phrase being thrown around a lot and you know, maybe you're not uh, totally certain uh, well what are they really talking about here uh, that's that's what it is these are means means things we do in other words of grace what God does and uh, again it's not that there's sort of this uh, uh, chemical reaction that takes place when you do X, Y, and Z and then, and then you're blessed is that when you do these things that God has ordained He blesses them to your spiritual wellness and the, 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 the most basic uh, fundamentals of means of grace would be the scriptures and prayer so we'll look at those here and we'll look at some verses that, uh, that speak to them but first I want, want you to just think about some other area of life, a skill set, a uh, you know an activity that people engage in, wherein to do it well, they need to master some fundamentals. Can you think of some examples? <laughs> Dentistry. Okay, <laughs> that, that might be a little bit complicated. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Play an instrument, right. That's a great one. I like that because I'm a musician. I've played a couple of different instruments and, uh, you know, pretty extensively. And, and I know the fundamentals of... The, uh, I learned in, in undergrad that, uh, that basically if you can master three fundamentals that will set you above... I mean, really, really get a grasp on them and do them well, that'll set you above about 95% of other musicians. And they're really simple. Uh, they, the way they were put to me was sound, pitch, and rhythm. 
So in other words, sound, you have to be able to get a good sound quality on your instrument. Uh, if you're a violinist, I, I won't use one of my instruments, I'll use one that I don't play. If you're a violinist, there's a way of a really good violin should sound. And if you can make a violin sound like that, you got good sound. Pitch, can you play in tune? Which is, you know, you would expect that people can, but it's, it's not a given. <laughs> Trust me. Um, but if you really master intonation on your instrument, that's, uh, if you really master it, that does put you uh, beyond uh, a, lot of, of, a lot of others. And then rhythm. Can you play in time? Because when you take a major audition, there'll be people, they may be behind a screen, but uh, you'll be playing an excerpt from an orchestral piece, and they'll be back there tapping their fingers and see if you keep steady rhythm. And if you speed up or if you, if you, if you drag, then you're probably not going to win that audition. But if you can master those fundamentals, those are the fundamentals of music performance. And if you can, if you really got a firm grip on them, you'll be a good player. Uh, thank you for that example. Same with sports. What are some of the fundamentals of, okay, football season is about to start. So uh, what are some of the, the, just the most fundamental aspects of be, playing football? Discipline. Okay, discipline for sure, no doubt. But that's pretty broad. Uh, strength. Okay, strength. Speed. Speed. Coordination. All right. Um, what are some basic fundamental things you have to be able to do in order to play football? Run. Run. If you're a receiver, catch the football. Catch. <laughs> throw a football. <laughs> some people have to be able to throw them. Uh, you have to be able to block, right? Uh, defensive players especially have to be able to tackle, and those are fundamentals. What are the fundamentals of, of a vibrant and healthy faith uh, spiritual wellness? What are, the, what are the fundamentals of that? Bible reading and prayer. That's your sound, pitch, and rhythm of spirituality. That's your uh, running, blocking, tackling of, uh, of football. So, Bible reading. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17, please. Well-known passage. Someone please read for us nice and loud. Acts 17, verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Thank you. Now that's a very familiar passage. You've all heard it many times. Um, but you see that these, uh, uh, these Bereans uh, were, were examining the scriptures how frequently? Daily. They were in the word every day. Now that's presumably for one thing because Paul was teaching them every day. Uh, so that stands to reason. But they were taking what Paul taught... Paul was known to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they had the, the option, I suppose, of saying, well, this guy's an apostle. You know, we can uh, give him carte blanche to, to teach, and we can take at face value everything that he says. But that's not what they did. Even with the apostle there in their very presence, teaching them daily, they were going back to the scriptures. But they weren't receiving what he taught skeptically either. I mean, they were, it says they were receiving the word with all eagerness, but they're still going back and examining the scriptures to see if the things that Paul was saying were so. Uh, so that's just an example of how some of our forebears in the faith were, taking, uh, were making a daily effort to read and examine the scriptures. And then if you'll go with me to Psalm 119... 
Someone please read verse 162. And rejoice in your word like one who finds great spoil. Yeah. That's, I hope, more and more how our hearts kind of esteem God's word. Um, finding great spoil. It just means some kind of a windfall of, uh, of monetary blessing. You know, if you, if you win the sweepstakes or or, uh, you know, you, you, some unexpected inheritance suddenly comes to you. You know, you'd be really happy, right? A little bit of extra cash is always nice. Um, that's kind of what's in, in view there when it talks about spoil. And the psalmist is saying, even more than that, even more than if I won the Powerball, I rejoice in your word. So that should be our attitude towards Scripture, and um, that's one of the fundamentals of our faith. It's the you know the, all uh, kinds of uh, analogies and metaphors in the Word itself to describe how central uh, the Word is to us. Psalm 119 is just loaded with such things, but you know that the Scriptures speak of God's Word. They speak of themselves as as bread for our souls, right? Um, there are only rule for faith and practice. Uh, in Paul's letters to Timothy, he talks about how they're breathed out by God and they're profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And that they uh, equip us to live godly lives. So, Bible reading, it's fundamental uh, to our spiritual uh, health. And then prayer. So, let's look at a couple of verses about prayer. Since we're in the Psalms, let's move over to Psalm 62. And if someone would please read verse 8. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is a refuge for us. Thank you. Now that middle line in there, pour out your hearts before Him. Uh, I love that. It, just the imagery of it. Sometimes in prayer, uh, maybe we, we just sort of sprinkle our hearts a little bit before the Lord. And this is saying, tell Him everything that's in there. Just, uh, pour out your heart to God. I think that's, that's uh, encouragement to us to, to just... Tell them everything that's on our minds. Tell them everything that's on our hearts. And as it says in uh, uh, Philippians, in all your ways acknowledge Him. No, that's, that's not Philippians, that's uh, Proverbs. Uh, but the idea is, um, give it all up to Him. Talk to Him about it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, turn with me to Romans now. Romans 12. And verse 12, would somebody read that for us? Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Now what that means is, I think, I think we can interpret that on a couple of different levels. Being constant in prayer means daily go to the Lord in prayer. You know, daily go in, like Jesus said, go into your closet, close the door, and, and pray to God in secret. Have that time. But then, you know, when you rise from your time of, uh, of devotions, prayer time, your, your quiet time with the Lord, as you're going about your daily work, you can continue to pray. There's no reason for, to, for you to stop. And any time any concern springs to your mind, 
develop the discipline of praying about it right then as you're doing whatever you're doing. I know that a lot of times many of us do work that really involves um, uh, mental focus and, and thinking. Um, and of course, it's, it's difficult to pray in the midst of that. But when you're mowing the lawn, when you're washing the dishes, when you're vacuuming, when you're driving, uh, you can pray. And I think what happens, and I, I know this happens to you because it happens to me, something will come to mind and you start thinking about it. And you start worrying and you start imagining what outcomes uh, might occur. And you start thinking about what, sh- what should I do? How can I uh, deal with this situation? And, uh, and it's okay to think and to, to, you know, to go through those mental exercises about how to respond to the crises and, and concerns that come up in life. But what we do, I think, too often is we do a whole lot of that and very little praying. When as soon as that concern comes to your mind, as you can, you can feel that weight on your heart, uh, pray about it then. Pray. That's another thing that I think means to pray. Uh, be constant in prayer. Pray without ceasing, it says elsewhere. Um, or is that what it said right here? Be constant in prayer is the way the ESV puts it. But in, uh, in other letters of Paul, especially, it talks about just praying continually. And that should be the posture of our spirits before God. And then Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything. But everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. Thank you. Um, okay, so that's the verse I sort of cited a minute ago. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication, I can use that tonight. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, they're, they're sort of synonymous, there are different shades of meaning to them, but supplication is a, is a, is a form of prayer. You know, what are some other forms that prayer takes? Things we do in prayer. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving confession. confession of sin. And, we, and just praise to the Lord. Supplication is when we start giving Him our requests. When we're making intercession for other people. So there is a, there is a shade of meaning there. And that, I don't think I'll be able to use that tonight. Along with... Uh, one other thing I came across today. Because tonight, there are three words in particular that are used in this passage we'll look at from Micah that all sort of refer to sin. They have kind of different nuances, but they're all talking about the same thing. I just wanted to give some examples. So that's the ticket right there, I think. Yeah. Something useful I learned in the King's Outreach called the Acts Prayer Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else heard of the Acts? Yeah. It's very helpful. Really, uh, a really good outline for prayer. And it's, it's you know, you can, you can use that 100% of the time. You could mix it up with other things. I tend, uh, in, in my personal devotions, to kind of use the outline of the Lord's Prayer. But I'll also use Acts. Sometimes I use Acts in corporate prayer when I'm leading. And you may, may catch that. Maybe I'll do that this morning. Um... So, 
Bible reading, prayer. Uh, and then we could stop right there and we could say that your time alone with God, you know, as you meet with Him daily, could just be that simple. Read the, read the Word, spend time in prayer. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And that's part of the beauty of it. It's the same, you know, I remember reading an article one time on family worship. Uh, and it gave a very beautifully simple uh, outline of that. Family worship doesn't have to be any more complicated than read, pray, repeat. I think that's how it was put, you know. Read the Word, pray together. Uh, Heads of households, whether you're talking about a single mom or a husband or a father, um, they don't have to deliver theological lectures in family worship. They don't have to be able to expound difficult passages of Scripture. Just read God's Word together and then pray. You know, maybe, maybe if you're able to get ready in advance, you know, look at the passage, pray over it, think of a couple of uh, applications to make, perhaps. But it, you know, that's not that's not fundamental. Fundamental is be in the Word and be in prayer, and that applies to your individual spiritual wellness as well as uh, you know, in the family. Now, um, letter B on your outline has to do with making time, because I've talked with people about things related to spiritual things. I've talked with people about things related to musical things, and when it gets to the subject of something that a person ought to be doing. The problem is always, I can't find the time, right? And here's the thing, especially about your spiritual wellness and about your devotions. You will never find the time. You have to make the time. The time isn't just going to pop up. There's not just going to be an opening in your schedule each day where you think, wow, I've got nothing to do right this minute. Now I can pray and read. Uh, you, you've got to uh, make the time. Because if you've dealt at all with time management at any point in your life, you know it's difficult. It can be challenging. And it, um, it always is, really. Uh, we have numerous and various responsibilities pressing in on us from all directions. And what those things do uh, is they tend to, to crowd out the... Uh, the spiritual things. But when you get right down to it, and this is tough, I know that uh, if we're really honest with ourselves, we do make time for the things that are most important to us, don't we? We make time for those things. And so I'm just urging you to make time for this because it's the most important thing. Um, And if you're neglecting the means of grace, it's time to rethink your priorities. Uh, turn with me to Luke 5, and let's look at that. Because I know we're busy. I know probably each and every one of you is, is far more busy than you wish you were. And you've got more things on your plate than you wish you had. But um, I think it would be a tough case... For any of us to say, I'm more busy than Jesus was. I mean, people were hounding him, crowding him from dawn till dusk. He was a busy man. Uh, But listen to what Jesus did. 
Luke 5, verses 15 and 16. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This passage is not on your outline, but uh, in the Gospel according to Mark, there's a similar, <coughs> similar statement as Jesus' ministry is, uh, is beginning there in Mark chapter 1. <coughs> what happens in, the, uh, in Mark chapter 1 is, is Jesus has begun to call his disciples, and on the, synagogue, on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue, and uh, you see that uh, on, starting well back in verse 29 of Mark 1. Now he's leaving the synagogue, and he gets to Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Jesus healed her. And, uh, and then at evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed. Why then? Why evening at sundown? Because the Sabbath is over. Uh, the, the Hebrew day, the Jewish day, begins at sunrise, sunset and ends at sunset. And uh, so... On the Sabbath, when the sun set, Sabbath is over, and so people started thronging him with all these sick people. So he'd had a long day of ministry, no doubt, on the Sabbath. They'd been to the, to the synagogue, they'd worshipped, um, and then uh, when the day is over, people start coming to him. And then what did he do? Uh, he didn't do what I would have done. You know, I would have slept in the next morning, I think, just catch up a little bit on sleep. What Jesus did was, verse 35, he rose very early in the morning while it was still dark, and he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Very convicting. Um, and uh, Jesus sets an example for us to aspire to. It's an example to which we'll never fully measure up in this life, of course. But th the point being, Jesus was busy, but he made time. As a man, as a human being, someone who was fully man, he made time to go and be with the Lord in prayer. Um, and then the final thing under individual spiritual wellness kind of bridges us into marital spiritual wellness. And that's that um, I feel very strongly that husbands and wives ought to help each other in this matter. Um, help and encourage each other to be doing these things because not only will your spouse benefit from it, you will too. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. This was read at Hillary's in my wedding. It says, Two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. So when a wife is struggling spiritually, husbands, help them, encourage them. When a husband is struggling spiritually, wives, encourage and help him. Uh, be accountable to each other in that way. God gave us to each other so that we can help each other. Um, and I say, when I've had opportunity to, to counsel young people before marriage or maybe early in their marriage, uh, I'd like to say... Uh, I like to tell them to be guardians of each other's solitude. Protect each other's quiet time. That's especially important when children come. Because, you know, uh, once children get there, uh, your schedule gets wrecked a little bit. And whereas you may 
prior to having children have been this faithful practice of doing your quiet time in the morning uh, before you get started with anything else in the day, the child is going to have things to say about that <laughs> and is going to demand some of that time. So it's going to be important and, and, and needful for the wife to, to make time for her uh, devotions maybe in another part of the day, maybe later when the child is napping or whatever. But husbands, that's when it becomes really, really important that you help make sure that while your wife is busy about the, the important task of nurturing and, and, and caring for that child, that you're helping her to make sure she nurtures and cares for her soul. Uh, so, and, and then similarly, uh, wives can be guardians of, uh, of their husband's solitude. And, you, know, you can work that out in a lot of different ways, but basically you protect the other person's time. And I strongly encourage that. Any questions about individual spiritual wellness? Okay, well then we move on to marital spiritual wellness, and um, it's a shorter section because basically the fundamentals are the same, right? It's uh, spend time together in God's Word and pray together. Uh, you know, this, and it's hard to be consistent with that, I know. Uh, Hillary and I have experienced that. We, we even do now because, for example, uh, we like to use table talk. We've been using that. Uh, past year or so um, uh, we've used it in the past as well but it, table talk is it's great it's a tremendous resource but you've got these five devotions for Monday through Friday and then a weekend devotional the thing is Wednesday night uh, is prayer meeting so a lot of times on Wednesdays we don't end up having our, our together uh, devotions and then other days when, uh, when st something's going on in the evening, takes one or both of us away from home, a lot of times it just doesn't happen. Um, but uh, when it does happen, you, know, you spend time together in the Word. Uh, you can read a devotional. That's always encouraging and helpful. But again, the, the most important thing is just be in the Scriptures. You know, maybe if you've got the time to do it, talk about what you've read, discuss it, and then pray together. Um, pray for each other, pray for your family, pray for other prayer needs you're aware of. And then as far as resources for couples to use in their devotional time together, there are, as I've already said, there are many. I'm going to mention a couple here in just a moment. Um, but uh, again, just like uh, I said under individual spiritual wellness, make the time I would say about this, prioritize this in your routine. Prioritize it in your relationship. It's fun just to kick back and relax and watch a movie together, uh, you know, or, 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 or do whatever. But make this important. Make it central to your rhythms of, of life uh, together as, as a couple. Uh, and then finally, uh, resources and practical guidelines. But we'll do it in the opposite order. Um, first of all, practical guidelines. <coughs> um, prioritize your spiritual wellness. Turn, to me, turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy 4. Would someone please read 1 Timothy 4, verse 8? 
only training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Thank you. Great verse there. Uh, it it kind of plays into uh, the the U.S. Army's new. Uh, well, it's not that new, but um, their <clears throat> their program for resilience and wellness. It's called uh, H2F. Uh, H2 meaning two H's and then an F. HHF. They call it H2F because the Army does that all the time. And I don't know why, but. Um, uh, holistic health and fitness is what it stands for and they focus on five areas of wellness one of them is physical you know physical health one of them is sleep which plays directly into physical health of course one is nutrition and um, forget what the others are but one of the, I forget the fifth one but spiritual is one of them and fairly recently, the Army redid one of its field manuals to include in physical fitness and total fitness, health, holistic health and fitness, spiritual wellness. Now they don't, and, and that's good for us chaplains because it gives us an opportunity to kind of have a seat at the table again, you know, and, uh, and, and have a little bit more relevance perhaps than at, at, at times people have thought that we have. But... Um, you know, it doesn't sell or promote any particular sp brand of spirituality, but it emphasizes the fact that there's a spiritual component to who we are, and it's important, and if that's not healthy, then we're not fully well, which is great. You know, I think it's a step forward in a lot of respects, but um, uh, now I know you've all heard that verse from First Timothy that we just read. How many of you have heard that verse taught on or explained or preached or something uh, with the uh, with kind of the viewpoint that that bodily exercise is unimportant? You ever, ever heard that? Well, I'm glad I'm glad to know that you haven't heard that because especially the way certain translations read, um, you could almost take it to mean. Um, uh, bodily training uh, really isn't of much value. But that's not what it's saying. Uh, I think the ESV uh, translates it well. Bodily training is of some value. It has, has worth. It's good. Um, it benefits us as we live in these bodies. It's just not as valuable. It's not as uh, beneficial uh, as godliness. So we, you know, we should take good care of ourselves physically, but even more importantly, we should care about our spirits. So I'm saying prioritize your spiritual wellness and do that personally for you yourself. Do it uh, in the context of your marriage and of your family, and um, and you make that a priority. You start to, I think, the more you do it, the more you realize really how central it is and how how crucial it is for your overall wellness. Um, now the thing is, uh, your consistency is important, and in a lot of things, people will say, "Well, consistency—that's the key." And you're thinking, "Like, great," because I know I'm not consistent. Uh, but um, it's simply a fact of life that we're going to get off track, you know. And you'll 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 miss your devotions one day, perhaps. And then the next thing you know, you've missed two days, uh, or three, 
And then you start to get down on yourself and think, ah. And because you're down on yourself for missing, that makes you even less inclined to go back. But my, my encouragement to you is, is just keep going back and restarting. Okay, you missed a day. Life happens. Get back into it. Uh, the training that I did last weekend uh, while, I was, while I was away, uh, there was a little quote on one of the pages of the handbook that I used, and it talked about um, you know, people, you know, they have, you, you'll, you'll have your goals, you'll have your, uh, your, your vision, but you stray from it, you get off course. People do that all the time, was the point that the, the training material was making. It happens all the time. The point is, have a focus and get back on track. You know, course correct. Life is all about course corrections all the time, I think. Um, so uh, prioritize it. Know that there will be times when you get off course a little bit. There will be times when you lapse. Um, when, when my family and I finally started to get you know, really deliberate about family worship, that's one thing I really had to key in on is that um, if I missed a day or if I missed two days, if I missed a week, you know, not to, not to get so down on myself that I thought, well, what's the use? No, get back to it. And, um, and my goal, and this happened actually, praise the Lord, uh, we got to where it was such a regular part of our routine as a family that if we got home from someplace in the evening and I was tired and, I, and my inclination and my heart was like, let's just go to bed, it's late, I'm tired, uh, I don't want to do family worship, one of the boys would say, Daddy, are we going to do family worship? They expected it, and we'd do it. Because how could I refuse that, right? Daddy, are we going to do family worship? No, son, we're not. <laughs> no. See, I want it to be such a routine that even if I, and that's another example of how, you know, if one falls, his, his friend will lift him up. My own sons lifted me up sometimes when I was inclined not to do family worship. And those little two eyes look up at me, Daddy, are we going to do family worship? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll do family worship. Let's do that. You can shorten it a little bit in cases like that, but do it. Um, so, recalibrate, in other words. And then, um, proactively foster a spiritual atmosphere in your home. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen. Is anybody there already? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Okay, so moms and dads, in addition to disciplining your children... Um, Set a spiritual atmosphere in your home. That's another area where, you know, when you, when you, when you blow up or you know, something goes wrong and you know, you're going to feel like, well, that wasn't very spiritual and you're going to feel like a complete failure, but uh, yeah, that's where confession and repentance uh, plays such a huge role. You've got to be the kind of person. You're not going to be the kind of person who never messes up. So you have to be the kind of person who's willing to confess and ask forgiveness. And your kids will see that too, and they'll learn it, Lord willing. Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. Follow along with me. I'm going to start at verse 25. Uh, now, um, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. And I think that nourishing and that cherishing, so dads, husbands, yeah, you have, you have the primary responsibility in this, but uh, part of that nourishing and that cherishing is, is trying to foster a spiritual atmosphere in your home, trying to foster uh, a, a practice of you know, being conscious of the presence of God, of his love and his care and his watchful eye, all that. Okay, so those are just some guidelines. Um, and uh, let's see what time do we have here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, if any of you from, from your experience have other uh, suggestions to, to offer, I'll, I'll save some time here in these last couple of minutes for you to share those because I'm interested to hear them myself. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I want to focus on a couple of resources. Resources to help you in the spiritual wellness of your of yourself individually or of your marriage or of your family. Uh, you got resources in Alex and me. We're here for you. Call us. Come see us. Email us. Uh, we're happy to to, to help with whatever you might need help with, to listen to questions and try to provide guidance if, you, if you're looking for some. Um, your elders, too. I know they love you, and uh, they do want to, they, they take very seriously their responsibility to shepherd you. So you can reach out to your, your uh, shepherding elder. You can reach out to any of the elders. I mean, if your shepherding elder is Mark Sen, but, you know, you, you really want to talk to Ron Wernley about something, do it. I mean, they've got their shepherding groups, but they're, they're here for you all. Um, as far as reading your Bibles, let me strongly recommend that you use a Bible reading plan. Don't be haphazard or random. Think, oh, today maybe I'll read from Ephesians, or I'll read in the Psalms today. Have a, use a reading plan. Why? Because it'll keep you on track. It will, uh, if, it's a, if it's a full Bible reading plan, it will help ensure that you get consistent, regular exposure to the full counsel of God. Because otherwise we're going to gravitate towards the passages that you know, are more familiar to us or that are our favorites. But you need to read all of it. Uh, that's why God gave it to us. So let me encourage you to uh, use a reading plan. I love uh, Robert Murray Machane's plan. It's not for everybody, but for some reason it just really works for me. I've used other plans and I've always gone back to Machane. Most of your Bibles probably have a reading plan in them. You know, uh, and again, you, and usually they're a year-long plan via which you'll get through the scriptures in a year. There are other plans available online. Again, if you want, uh, you want me to point you to some other options for plans, I'm happy to do that too. There's a plan where you can read through the whole Bible in two years. You know, why not? You know, it slows you down a little bit. You can maybe get into the passages a little bit more deeply because you're not covering quite as much ground every single day. And then um, finally, uh, devotional literature for couples. I'll emphasize one more time that it, you know, your time together, your family worship, so to speak, uh, can be as simple as read the scriptures and pray, and it need not be any more complicated than that. But if you want to look into some some edifying devotional reading that you can go through together, uh, if you haven't used either of these, they're both very good, and I recommend them. The first is called Heirs of Life, Heirs Together of Life, by Charles and Norma Ellis. Didn't they also write that? 
devotional commentary on Isaiah that we went through. Yeah, so there's they did this really great thing called uh, a book that they titled uh, Wells of Salvation, I think, and it's a uh, a devotional uh, commentary trip through the, the prophecy of Isaiah. Was, we used that one year. It was really good. But if you haven't ever seen or used Heirs Together of Life, and if you're looking for a devotional to use as a couple, that's a good one. Uh, and then uh, one that uh, was given to Hillary and me many years ago, and then finally we decided to go ahead and use it. It's called Each for the Other, written by Brian Chapel and his wife. Brian Chapel is now the, um, the stated clerk of the PCA. He was for many years homiletics professor at Covenant Seminary, um, and he and his wife wrote that devotional together. What uh, questions or comments do you have before we close? Nothing? All right, well, be thinking about questions you want to ask next week. Again, you, you know, you, you, can, you can spring any, anything you want to on me, uh, but... If you're so inclined and you think of a question you want to ask, send it to me sometime this week, and I'll try to think in advance a little bit about it if I, as I'm able. Uh, and we're going to pray and close, and you'll have a couple minutes jump on everybody else to get to the bathrooms if you need to. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for uh, not leaving us to ourselves to figure out uh, how to do marriage, but thank you for giving us instructions in your word. Thank you for calling us into relationship with you. Help us to cultivate our relationship with you, both individually and in our homes, in our marriages. Make our marriages strong and let them reflect beautifully the relationship of Christ and his church. And may we be a witness to the watching world. And now we pray also that you'd bless us as we get ready to uh, enter into our time of worship. Accept our worship uh, because as we offer it to you, we're going to be doing so uh, through Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.